Chapter 18 of the History of Burke and Hare and of the Resurrectionist Times. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by William Jones, Benita Springs, Florida. The History of Burke and Hare by George McGregor. Chapter 18 Public Excitement at the Westport Murder the newspapers, doubts as to the disappearance of Daft Jamie and Mary Patterson, the resurrectionists still at work. Of course the public knew nothing of what the authorities were doing, or had discovered, the examination of the prisoners before the sheriff being, as it is still the custom in Scotland, strictly private. The newspapers, as we have seen, did little to satisfy the natural curiosity of the people, but that was due probably to the fact that the police, finding themselves on the eve of making a great discovery, chose rather to keep silent and deny the press information than run the risk of having their movements made known to parties whom it might be better should not be aware of them. The Edinburgh Evening Courant of 6 November had, however, a very circumstantial account of the murder of Mrs. Dougherty but it was hid away amongst items of little importance. It was as follows. Start of article. Extraordinary occurrence. Further particulars. We have used every endeavor to collect the facts connected with this singular story. The medical gentlemen who examined the body have not reported, so far as we have heard, that death was occasioned by violence. There are several contusions on the body particularly one on the upper lip which was swollen and cut a severe one on the back one on the scapula and one or two on the limbs none of these however are of a nature sufficient to cause immediate death the parties in custody two men and two women their wives and a young lad give a very contradictory account of the manner in which the old woman lost her life one of the men not burke states that it was the lad who struck her in the passage and killed her burke however acknowledges being a party to the disposing of the corpse the lad's account of the story is different from that of the others he says he was in burke's house about seven o'clock on friday evening when the old woman was represented to him as a fortune-teller who for threepence would give him some glimpse into futurity and with this sum she was to pay for her lodgings. But not having the money, his fortune was not told, and he went away. The parties at this time were seemingly sober. He went to the house about two o'clock on Saturday morning, when he found Burke, his wife, and two other persons in the house, seemingly the worse of liquor. He sent for sixpence worth of whiskey, which was drunk, and soon after the whole party fell asleep. The old woman was not present, but the lad thought nothing of that, believing she had left the house. At a later hour in the morning a neighbor came in, who had been in the house on the previous evening, and asked what had become of the fortune-teller. To this Burke's wife replied that the old woman had been behaving improperly, and she, Mrs. Burke, had kicked her downstairs. Another neighbor saw the old woman joining in the mirth, as late as eleven o'clock on the Friday night. The above are the outlines of the statements that have reached us. 
we must however admit that from the secret manner in which the investigations are conducted it is impossible to obtain accurate information a great number of rumors have gone abroad of individuals having of late disappeared in an unaccountable manner but one of them however a sort of half-witted lad called daft jamie was seen on monday not far from lasswade with a basket selling small wares End of article. this notice makes one or two interesting discoveries notably what professes to be the drift of hare's declaration and that of the young man brogan who had also been arrested on a charge of complicity in the murder another point is the manner in which mrs dockerty was presented to brogan and some of the neighbors but if the newspapers did not devote much space to the extraordinary occurrence it was a topic which moved the very heart of the people and was on everybody's tongue the journals were too busy discussing the siege of silistria the proceedings of politicians in london or the state of ireland but the inhabitants of edinburgh and indeed of broad scotland thought and talked of little else but burke and hare and their resurrectionists before the time fixed for the trial the newspapers discovered they had made a mistake and at least gave some degree of satisfaction to the readers by supplying a full report of the case it is somewhat amusing however to find the glasgow courier of twenty seventh december with this apologetic notice quote, in the absence of any political news of importance we have devoted a considerable portion of our paper of to-day in giving a full report of the trial before the high court of justiciary of burke and his wife for murder the public were strongly of opinion that to the machinations of burke and hare could be traced the disappearance of daft jamie and mary patterson the latter especially as she had been seen in burke's company the authorities also pursued their inquiries in the same direction and on the tenth of november the two men and their wives were committed by the sheriff to stand their trial for the murder of dockerty but brogan was liberated his innocence being apparent the doubt as to the disappearance of daft jamie was deepened by a statement in edinburgh newspaper that he had been seen in the grass market after the apprehension of the accused parties this was repeated by several other prints and the public mind remained in suspense though there was a suspicion amounting almost to a certainty that jamie had been the victim of foul play at last the observer and the weekly chronicle who had been the most strenuous advocate of the safety of the lad were forced to admit that he was missing possibly the rumor that he had been identified in the dissecting room by some of the students had something to do with the change the observer announced that it had been credibly informed that this poor pauper daft jamie had really disappeared in a mysterious manner and that circumstances of a suspicious nature had transpired the chronicle was more elaborate in its explanation stating that there were two daft jamies but that there was no doubt one of them had been made away with while all this was going on there were other events connected with the resurrectionist movement coming to the front one of these was a terrible contest which took place in a churchyard near dublin 
a woman of the name of Ryan died, and was decently interred. Her relatives were afraid that her remains would not be allowed to lie in the grave, as the body-snatchers were then busy with the Irish burying-places. They therefore joined to keep a watch for a time over her tomb. One night, between eight and nine o'clock, two of the men were left sentry at the grave, while the others went into a cabin in the vicinity, erected for the use of watchers. These ladders were not long seated when a knock was heard on the door, and when it was opened they saw nearly a dozen armed men who declared their mission to be body-lifting, but who, with all courtesy, stated that if the watchers would kindly point out where the body in which they were specially interested lay, it would be passed over. The watchers, however, intimated that they would resist the uplifting of any body. A desperate contest then took place, but the resurrectionists were at last driven off. About two o'clock in the morning they returned, but again they were defeated. It was thought with loss of life, for more than one of them was seen to fall. It would be difficult to say whether it was this incident or the general plundering of Scotch churchyards that led the Edinburgh Weekly Chronicle at this time to devote a leader to the question of the importation of corpses for anatomical purposes to Scotland from Ireland. This journal very soberly discussed the resurrectionist system, its advantages, and the indispensability of it in the present state of law. The writers seriously objected to the noodles of functionaries on the banks of the Clyde, interfering with subjects when they were in transitu, and pointed out that for every Irish subject they seize, they ensure the rifling of some Scotch grave. Very fine sentiment. The resurrectionist system was good enough in Ireland, but immediately it touched Scotland it was evil. Two cases, one of them not without a touch of grim humor, came to light in Edinburgh about this time, and furnished material for additional commentary on the Westport tragedy. A resurrectionist, wishing to raise the wind, waited on an Edinburgh lecture and stated that he had a subject to dispose of, but he required two pounds ten shillings to meet some immediate demands. The money was given to him and in a short time a box was sent to the lecturer's rooms. To the infinite surprise of the gentleman and his assistants, the trunk was found to be filled with rubbish. Such tricks, it was said, were often played on anatomists, but for all that, four individuals were apprehended in connection with this fraud, and were sentenced by the police magistrate, each to imprisonment of two months. The other case illustrates the extraordinary boldness of the resurrectionists, even at a time when the popular feeling was strong against the miscreants apprehended for the murder of Doherty. A mulatto of the name Marserine, who kept a public house in the Grassmark, died on the autumn of 1828, and a month or so later his wife became unwell and was taken to the Edinburgh Royal Infirmary, where she died in the end of November. On the day of her death, her body was claimed by two men, who represented themselves as her relatives. It was given to them, and they took it away ostensibly for interment. Next morning her real relations appeared, and the greatest consternation was caused 
by the discovery that the infirmary authorities had been duped by some very clever rogues a search was made and after some trouble the body was found in a dissecting room it was taken back to the infirmary and was decently buried on the first of december in the newspapers at this time also there were stories about events occurring outside the city which helped to increase the general excitement in the courant for monday the thirteenth november there was a report of a case tried before the middlesex sessions on the thursday previous three men were then charged with having on the thirteenth of september unlawfully broken open a vault in the church of hendon in which were some dead bodies and with having severed the head from one of them the object was rather strange one of the prisoners was a surgeon and the body which had been mutilated was that of his mother there was in his family a hereditary disease the causes and nature of which he wished to investigate in order to prevent its attacks on himself and he was under the impression that if he could obtain the mother's head for dissection he would be able to find out the information he desired all the prisoners were found guilty and were severely punished another incident of a more amusing kind was recorded at this time in the sterling advertiser at doan fair several special constables were on duty and had the village schoolroom assigned to them as a watch-house while they were sitting quietly talking to one another a big burly irishman heavily laden with whisky fell in through the open doorway and lay prone on the floor he was a most undesirable visitor and it was evident that to attempt to remove him by force might have rather serious results still he could not be allowed to remain one of the constables was a bit of a wag and he whispered to his companions that the man on the floor would make an excellent subject for the doctors they quickly entered into the spirit of the jest and the conversation turned on the question of how the prospective subject was to be dispatched some recommended suffocation others stabbing meanwhile the irishman who was not so tipsy as he seemed had overheard the discussion carried on in a stage whisper and began to feel exceedingly uncomfortable as the conspirators gradually came to an agreement as to the method to be adopted the intruder who had been carefully pulling himself together suddenly jumped up and went out of the place faster if anything than he entered amid shouts of laughter from the constables under all the exciting circumstances of the time it is not surprising that the people should break out into a riot in a very small matter between nine and ten o'clock of the forenoon on thursday the eleventh of december a gig occupied by two men of notoriously bad character was driven at a furious pace along the north bridge of edinburgh some one suggested that the vehicle contained a corpse and the story speedily gathered an immense crowd an attempt was made to seize the men and the tumult became so great that when the city watch interfered two of them and an old woman were seriously injured it was found however that the rumour as to the contents of the gig were totally unfounded End of chapter 18